Don't fight it. Also, you can't. <laughs> it's my superpower. I don't want to be tied down. I just want to get R&B? Saturday afternoon? That's right. R&B in the afternoon with Ed and Jason. <laughs> well, Saturday afternoon. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. As always, we appreciate the support. Uh, we're opening up at a weird musical number that was in Harley Quinn episode five of season three. We'll be talking about today where Batman and Catwoman, oh, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle technically yeah. <laughs> sung some weird number to them over couples therapy. So, yeah, it's just, it, it's bizarre. So, uh, as the show it, is it's often, really so, bizarre. It fits it in with the show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, and if you're joining us on the Facebook live stream, if you're joining us on YouTube, if you're joining us on Twitter, or wherever you found your audio-only podcast, we definitely appreciate it. And with me, as always, is Jason. What's up, dude? How's it going, Ed? Good to be here. Nice, nice, chill Saturday afternoon. Got some R&B going. <laughs> Talking, gonna be talking Harley Quinn. Gonna be talking the Sandman. Uh, gonna be talking I Am Groot. Uh, are we gonna be talking about the boys this week, Ed? And and by the boys, I mean uh, the ever evolving Ezra Miller uh, pursuit by the law. Are we talking about that? Is there any, any new updates? We can we can open up and talk about that anytime because apparently they they never stops delivering news. It's it, it just it's always one thing after another, and that's uh, like seriously, it, it's kind of like all right. Well, the boys season three ended, but I at least you know the real life's playing out uh, in an interesting way here. Oh boy, it's, it's uh, a total disaster. It's oh, it's crazy. They might scrap this movie. That's which is nuts to me. But like, what are you gonna do? Like, th this guy can only go so low before that movie is unsellable. It's almost as if. He's trying to see what can I do next in order to get them to start the movie. It's almost like he's like, I don't want anyone to see this movie, so I'm just going to go ahead and stick it to them. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you would almost think we're at you that point it, right now. Maybe he's reverse Ezra Miller, and he's come here to stop the the, the rebirth of Michael Keaton's Batman. Huh? That's 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 a strong possibility because it's starting to seem like we're not actually going to see it. Which I'm so. How can you oh, how can so you take livid. that away from us? I'm so livid to be. I'll never trust. Look, I'll never trust DC again. If if I don't get if I don't get Michael Keaton returning as Batman, then I don't give a shit what they say, what they promise. My res my response will always be, when I'm sitting in the theater, then I will make a decision on this. Because I, yeah. I allow myself to get excited about this. Well, whatever. We, we can we can talk. We can chat a few minutes about this because um, it's there. I mean, the, the Flash movie. The, the reports that came out this week are that the new ownership in uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, as they're calling it now, because uh, oddly enough, Discovery bought Warner Brothers, which I would never think that would have happened. But well, yeah, that's strange. But okay. It's like when T-Mobile bought Sprint. I was like, uh, what? Isn't T-Mobile like? The offshoot brand right. that, like, that's the little engine right. that could. <laughs> the hell do I know then? Um, Discovery's sitting there like Blofeld with their cat. Oh, you've been watching the mouse. You've been watching <laughs> HBO. You've been watching Sony. No one ever watches Discovery. Oh, we'll take over the media. <laughs> We're going to show you superheroes along with, like, a panda. 
or like you know a random animal, a tiger, or something like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> First thing we're gonna do is shut down Teen Titans because that Beast Boy is garbage. I'll show you a beast. <laughs> <laughs> Really live in the wild, not this animated <laughs> fantasy crap. We're gonna show you guys what bats really are like in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hysterical if that's the whole push. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Um, but no, they're oh, they're new. Forget they're the mascara. We'll show you the Amazonian. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Um, no, their president came out uh, at a, I think it was like a shareholders meeting or something like that, just to kind of assure everyone because they were freaking out after Batgirl was canceled. And they're just like, hey, you know, we're going to kind of copy the MCU playbook at this point. And we're, we were kind of fighting it, or apparently the old ownership was fighting it. And now we're going to go with it. But I also, I think that's kind of a lazy way to describe it, though. And that's how he described it, which is why I kind of use that term. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the, the main thing is, though, as long as they have a fucking plan that they can actually stick to, and they hire, like we've said a thousand times in the show, if you hire a Kevin Feige, which the reports are out there now, that Greg Berlanti, who has overseen the Arrowverse, might be getting that job. He's been, apparently, is being offered okay. that job. So he has some experience overseeing that, and Whatever you think of the Arrowverse or CWverse or whatever the hell you want to call it, it was a shared universe that did function fairly well for the most part. And I don't think Kevin Feige is the only person in the world that can make this work. It's it shouldn't no. be that yeah. And I'm not saying it's that easy I mean, either, here, you know. But here, here's the thing: the initial setup of the MCU was a gamble, but it wasn't hard yeah. to set up. It was okay. We uh, introduce the Avengers, and then we put the Avengers together. That's the plan. Like, that's a fucking rocket science. That's why when we got the Snyderverse, that's why it was like, all right, we're going to introduce Superman, and then all the other Justice League, and then at some point we'll put them together, but we'll take breaks, and it was like, you see, that you messed up a very simple formula. Yeah, and, and no one would have, like knock them if they would have went like hey all right guess what guys we're gonna have it we're gonna drop man of steel and then we're gonna have a batman movie a rebooted batman right and then a wonder woman movie and then guess what five years down the line we're gonna have the justice League. and then it would have been like you're copying it's like all right that kind of just makes sense it jives with what you should do care about these characters first so then when they team up you're like oh my god they're all in the same movie Right. And, or even look, if you would want to do something different, then you introduce uh in, introduce Superman. Let's say you don't want to introduce Batman in his own solo movie because you're just coming off the heels of uh Christopher Nolan at the time, right? So give us a give us a a, a Aquaman Batman movie or something. Because I think at yeah. that point Aquaman was the one that people weren't sure if he could carry his own movie, right? Uh, then throw then throw a Wonder Woman movie, and then give us and then if you really want to go dark, then instead of giving us Justice League, give us Batman versus Superman with those other characters woven in, kind of like they wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't have to follow the formula exactly, but like, don't just throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. And and their property is another thing too is that. Their property is similar to what Marvel has, right? Like, you have a comic book yeah. shared universe, it, fine. 
start with that premise. And then, and I know what, what Kevin Feige and Marvel has Studios has done is unprecedented in film because it's really hardly ever been done. I mean, you got the MCU, you know, you got Kevin Smith's, uh, you know, Jersey Chronicles thing that obviously yeah. it's the same person <laughs> writing and directing every movie. So kind of right. hard to mess up continuity there. Um, and that's pretty much it because others tried to do it. Like uh, Universal tried it with the Monsters Universe with Kong and Godzilla, that has varied stuff. I mean, some of the movies are good, some of them are not. But, you know, you're not going to make, like, a friggin' Mothra f solo film, you know, and learn all about Mothra. Like, that's not going to happen. It's, let's always say, not everything needs to be a, a, an interconnected open-world franchise. Sometimes, guys, no. we could just have a movie or two. But this, yeah. but the thing is, comic the, the comic book properties lend itself to it because, and this is what I always say: the MCU has done, uh, love it or hate it, is they have recreated what it feels like to follow comic books, yes, on the big screen, yes. and and now on the small screen, which no one's ever done before. Now, D, why couldn't DC do something like that? They obviously, they absolutely could have, and I it, and I think that's what they need to do. They need to, because I don't feel like I'm watching a, or I'm experiencing a comic book. Uh, you know, world when I watch these DC movies, yeah, it's comic book, it's fun, this and that, but it, it's it's not like the MCU where it feels like a fully fleshed out world. And I, I think that's what they need to do either that or just go, you know what, we're gonna give you just disparate, uh, elseworld stories that don't connect, and we're gonna do those well, but they, they can't do this half in, half out. And it doesn't, it doesn't strike me with any sort of optimism that they just came in and like all of these superhero properties are being canceled and going on the chopping block because it's like so are you pulling away from the superhero thing or like what what is the plan so from my understanding of the plan is that they saw what everyone else was they saw what a bunch of fans were complaining about right like with dc a lot even though i i've enjoyed their stuff more than than others have and you've given them their due plenty of times when you, you yeah, give them their due sure. and you feel they deserve it. So for sure. I think they just saw, like, they looked at the MCU and they're like, wow, this thing's a fully functioning money printing machine that, that they're doing over there at Disney. And how the hell we are sitting on the same damn thing that should be just as successful or more successful. That can be argued because, you know, before the movies, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, we're arguably the more popular heroes to like the casuals, you know, the casual fan and the mainstream media. And then it was like Spider-Man and kind of everyone else was like a lot less known than that. This is before the films. I know it sounds crazy because after 2008, Iron Man's an A-lister and all these other yeah. guys are A-listers. But and if those who read comics prior, we know that that's not the case. Oh, yeah, those are comics like in the 90s, early 2000s. It's like Iron Man who? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that drunk guy in a suit? Yeah, whatever. Right. Ca Captain America? You mean Iceberg Boy? Uh, who cares? You know, yeah, that, oh, that cornball over there? Who? Yeah, the cornball right. with the wings on his head? Screw that. So I, I just think that the new ownership was just like they probably bought their property, meaning Warner Brothers, and I'm like, they're sitting on a gold mine. How the hell do we fix it? And... They're, they're walking in at a tough time because even the previous ownership was trying to course correct. And I think it's because DC has DC films in general currently has a mixed bag. They have 
a new bat the batman was super popular made a bunch of money and people are we're excited fans are excited about that joker another thing currently very popular you know the sequel we don't we we kind of have ideas of what we're getting now that's officially still like on track and and it's gonna happen we'll see what happens i know we both differentiate on what it is but i think we kind of agree that there is an interesting element that's there but we'll see what happens yeah i'm interested um, in it for sure yeah and aquaman successful first film people like aquaman like jason momoa's aquaman so we, there's no reason to shit can that gal gadot's wonder woman is still very popular even though her oh her first film even though her second film terrible and but she's still popular when people think of wonder woman they think of gal gadot and right. that's what they're going with. So I think that's what they're sitting on. And they apparently have a really good Flash movie that I'm sure the new ownership saw. was like, all right, this thing is probably awesome. And from what we believe is going to be a Flashpoint type event, which will kind of make this all make sense and kind of act as a reset for them. But unfortunately, the star of their film is completely insane and is going ahead and running around the, the country doing crazy shit. So... And then you have the Michael Keaton Batman thing, which instantly we were just talking about how we're excited. Where about we are excited about it? And maybe they watched Batgirl and they're like, "This isn't great," but I don't know why you don't try to save it with reshoots when you have. Right. But maybe the new ownership's not interested in that. They're kind of like, "Listen, we got to stop trying to like put lipstick on a pig, and we need to fix the damn thing once and for all." So, I, and I, I think my 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 apprehension here is in what you said that they came and went well how do we do what the mcu did and i mean let's let's not forget the mcu the mcu did it in the desert with a box of scraps yeah it's, just <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines of all time but they <laughs> did great. right they like but like it's not but these guys are coming in like all right we've got an established world and we want to keep half of it and some of this is good and some of this is bad it's like I don't think that they can just come in and go, let's just do what Feige did. I, I, I mean, because they, they, unless they are willing to burn everything that has existed before and start anew, and I, and I don't, doesn't sound like they're going to do that. I don't even think they should do that. But I think they need to find a way to be able to reset parts and not reset other parts. And it, it, may, it was going to be this Flash movie, but now it might not be. So if they want to really course correct, they got to find a way for it to, to make sense. And look, it's the DC. I mean, the multiverse abound. I mean, they, they can do it easily, but but they need to they need to get someone who's looking at it not just as cash, cash, money, 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 money. They need to actually find a someone or people in the creative who care about these characters who are going to use their knowledge of the comic lore and their knowledge of the characters and make something that feels fresh and updated, which essentially is what the MCU does. And I yeah. need to do that. I know. I, I'm totally on board with you. And I think that's why Greg Berlanti is being considered to be that guy, because he seems to, you know, be genuinely a fan who knows how to, you know, make a shared universe work and that, and they have him in house already. And his, Arrowverse, you know, is dying off little by little, even though he is a producer yeah. on Doom Patrol and Titans and, and stuff like that. So he has other stuff different. there. It's but yeah. yeah, but he's also in the concept of, well, we're DC, we have a multiverse. We don't necessarily have to have every single property sync up 
And I and I'm kind of on board with that though. I do think that you can keep not every single little thing has to be in a shared universe. So I agree. I agree. Like I, I told I, you, I never want to see the Joker face off against Batman. Like the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. I yeah. never want to see him face off against Batman. So that would have to be its own universe. So I agree. I think there is something to that. And um, I don't know. There's a part of me that is curious to see that, though. To see Joaquin Phoenix's Joker interact with a Batman. I don't know. Not now. Not not like right away. Or I don't know. I'm just it's just out of curiosity. I don't even know if yeah. it work. I'm, I'm with you. It might might be shit, but I don't know. But that, no. I, but I get the curiosity. I get the curiosity. Yeah, that, that's that's all. That's where I'm at with it. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's. I think what they mean when they say in a ten year plan or what Marvel did was meaning meaning just to have a plan. You know, just okay. to have a, a, right. an actual plan. That's what I which, take it. I, uh. Which is sad is that. Uh, uh, yeah, our euphemism for just having a plan with what to do with our property is to just do what Marvel did. Like, no, just have a fucking plan, guys. <laughs> but but hey, man, we, we've seen DC tried it. They're, they have a very mixed results with it. You know, I just mentioned Universal has tried it. with the, Everyone tried to do a shared universe then yeah, with but, their properties. But, did you watch the Conjuring but, movies? Uh, yeah, Red just made me watch one or two of them. Okay, so but all right. but but here's my thing though. Here's here's why it works in the MCU and it should work in DC. And there's no way in hell it's ever going to work in in some of the ways that people are trying to force fra franchise shared universes is because. Comic books is inherently a shared universe of multiple stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Universal Monster movies, I just watched them recently, like because uh, I was doing Victorian Lit before uh, I went on summer break, and I showed a bunch of them. They are all movies, individual movies with story arcs and characters. They were never meant to be this big, vast shared universe lore. And the only reason anyone tried to make it that way was money, 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 money. No one gave a shit about the property. And the same thing with The Conjuring. It's all soulless cash grabs. And that that's the difference. MCU is not a soulless cash grab. They make a ton of money. They print money. But love what they do or not, they obviously have care for the world they're building. There is, a, you know, there there is artistic integrity there, whether, again, people enjoy it or not. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's the major difference. These people who are trying to force universes, there's no universe there. There's not supposed to be a shared universe off of four movies that didn't take place in the same reality to begin with. So, so hold on. So, did you watch Godzilla and then King of Monsters and Skull? Island I did. I, and, I, okay. I I watched the I watched them all. Um, I thought Skull Island, which was the first, which which was smart and had stuff to say. No, that was that was actually uh, I liked that. That was the second or the third. Was that the second Skull Island? What was the, the first? first? The first one was Godzilla. With um, okay, oh okay, I thought Skull Island came first with Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Okay, or whatever. yeah. Then it was Skull Island. Then it was Godzilla King of Monsters. Then it was Godzilla versus Kong. Which personally, I like the first Godzilla. Um, I do enjoy I that do. one, I, and I, and I liked. Skull Island a lot. Me too. I like Skull Island a lot. 
That one was really good. King of Monsters, I thought was the humans ruined that movie because they're so incredibly cheesy and dumb. But yeah. visually, and I said this when I went to see it. I went to remember I went to see it on IMAX and I was like, if you want to see big monsters fight, just turn your brain off and you will see a fucking spectacle. It's a it yep, is agreed. visually awesome. Just don't listen to what anyone's telling you. Don't listen to any of the humans or anything they have to say. Yeah. Well, that's see, that's the problem with for me with monster movies to begin with. It's like I'm going to Godzilla or King Kong to see Godzilla and King Kong, but they're CGI or animatronics. They're not leading men or leading women, you know? Yeah. And so they have to put humans in there. But I don't give a shit about any of these humans. So it's like, that's why, that's the eternal struggle for me. It's like, I wish the monsters could talk and interact and have, <laughs> have inner inner thoughts. and inner, like, But but I also want to see them do like nasty-ass monster shit and, and no humans around. <laughs> And I think that also is well. Godzilla versus Kong, though, I actually enjoyed. I genuinely thought that they nailed it with that. I thought that was cool. The human stuff wasn't too cheesy, you know. They actually fine. finally found the balance. Yeah, it was fine. And but my favorite part was big monsters fighting. So as soon as Kong and Godzilla were around each other, I'm like, let's go, let's do this. And then Mecha fucking Godzilla. And I'm like, all right, we're going all in now. All right. <laughs> And I'll say something, I don't even mind that, that being a shared universe. Like, no. I, as I said, my only issue with movies like that is because I, I want to see just monsters all the time. But but that was a shared universe. You know what I mean? Like, Mothra and, and, and all these things, they did fight Godzilla. King Kong and Godzilla mm -hmm. did fight eventually. This was a shared universe, you know? Yeah. I think, like, the one that sticks in my craw, as you said, is the Universal Monsters one. Oh, my God, yeah, the mummy. And then <laughs> they were trying so hard. So hard to get that off the ground. It just, just, it just it didn't. It's the little franchise that could. <laughs> yeah, that never, never went down. Uh, if you want to see them together, watch Monster Squad. It was an old, an, an old movie from the uh, late '80s. There you go. You'll see them together, and it's actually fun. And you will learn something very important, important, Dad, and that is, Wolfman has nards. And that's because you ever run into him, you should just. That's it. Go for it. That's it. Go for the no parts. <laughs> Wolfman's got him. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with DC, but their upcoming stuff, I and I, I like some of it. I like the, what's coming up. I mean, I do like Shazam. I, I yeah, love yeah, the first Shazam one. is cool. Yeah. Black Adam. The trailers don't really wow me, but it's The Rock, and it's a superhero movie. So. And it's got fucking Pierce Brosnan in it as Dr. Fate. I mean, yeah. Right, right. I'm not crapping on DC. You know, I got a love-hate relationship with DC because some of it I genuinely love and some of it I genuinely, like, hate. Uh, but, like, you know, I just... I want to see... I want to see, like, the, the Justice League done well. Yeah, That's sure. really what I want. I want. I want them to get their shit together with the Justice League because, you know, yeah, it was interesting watching that, uh, you know, 10-hour... Jack Snyder movie that that was interesting, but that's not my Justice League. That's not kind of what I come to comic books for. And as as fun as that was, this is under new management. I really want to see them give me a Justice League that is kind of more akin to the comic book than we've gotten. You know, yeah. So hopefully, maybe their star will get under control for a little while. And yeah, they they said that there's three options that are reportedly out there. One was trash the movie completely, and that's it, shit can it. 
Two was reshoot and get uh, Ezra Miller out of it. Or it was like, hey. Which I think that's the way to do it. I think so. I just think they're going to have to understand it. It's going to cost them a boatload of money. And then you're going to have to get people. Anyone he shot a scene with is going to have to come back and, and reshoot those scenes. Yeah. So but I don't you, know. You know, you know who I'm sure they ours. could. I'm sure they get on the cheap. Replace Ezra. Uh, Dustin, come on. He's going to be looking for a job. I mean. Uh, well, I'll tell you, though. I, I really do think that. All, all jokes aside, my guess with that is going to be, if you're going to if you're going to recast Barry Allen, then I think you're just going to go with someone else, like totally fresh. Oh no no, yeah, yeah that's that's exactly what they're that's exactly what they're they're going to wind up doing. Um, yeah. I know there's been names floated yeah, but, out there of who it might who they people would want to see and stuff like that, but. And I'm curious if they're going to try, like, if they do, re- well, they're eventually going to recast, right? So that's going to happen. Whether whether they shit can this movie or not, they're recasting this character. So I wonder if they're going to go, like, big name or if they're going to go, like, someone who's, you know, maybe got less clout to let them grow in, into it, right? Because, like, everyone in the MCU who started off, with the exception of Robert Downey Jr., but even him, because he had a lot of trouble before pre-Iron Man, Yep. Um, were people who were just starting out in their career or hadn't yet made it big uh, or needed needed this comeback. So I, I, I wonder if the DC is going DC is going to go, okay, you know what? Let's get someone like that. Because they tend to now, it's like they, they go for big names, right? Cavill was a kind of a big deal. And Affleck, of course, is a big deal. Jason Momoa was a big deal coming off of, um, Game, of the Game of Thrones. So I'm curious if this whole shift is going to change their casting um, sort of thoughts as well. I don't know. Um, well, thinking about it, though, Gal Gadot was, was fairly an unknown. I think she was in the Fast and Furious movies before that. Dude. I had no idea who she was. Um, ben Affleck, no, obviously a, a huge name, but mm-hmm. was met with is a very, very stupid pushback. I could not stand well. The, the the fan pushback when that happened because when I heard it I'm like dude this isn't going to be an awesome casting I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about like Affleck can hold his chops everyone shot oh Daredevil Daredevil stop not him if you actually watch the film yeah not his fault really it's not, not and also that's that's a younger Ben Affleck he's got he's got yeah. a, he's learned acting a lot over his tenure as an actor. Yeah, there's a lot of people. It's better. like well, they, they also shit on Pattinson when he was he was uh, cast, and we saw he crushed it in right. Batman. So, well, that's the thing. That's the thing we're learning is no one like they could they could announce that Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne himself has come into reality, and Batman now exists, and they're casting him, and fans would be like, oh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. That would never work. Like fans would never. Have- <laughs> oh, that's great. Bruce Wayne can never play Bruce. Bruce Wayne can never play Batman. How can, how can, oh my God! Look at it. so yeah, he 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 he's strong enough and he's he's white enough and he's rich enough. But I don't know. He's got a weird thing with his hair. It's never gonna work. Oh God! Oh boy! So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, let's let's jump into our shows just, and see. Yeah, let's 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 pray that Vaught gets uh, a train under control. And the DC is back in line, uh, and yeah, let's ju- all right. Let's jump in, Ed. What, what are we starting with? Let's start off with it. A little, 
little series that dropped, uh, I believe it was Wednesday on Disney Plus, called I Am Groot. Um, it's five episodes of literally five-minute shorts about Baby Groot. Um, yeah, th- there's things that happen in each of them. Mostly, it's obviously him saying I Am Groot. Uh, they're cute little stories. It's not essential MCU watching. It's, it's not, but whatever. You get a chuckle out of it. I mean, five episodes together, 25 minutes. So it's like one episode of Harley Quinn in length of time. Not not, not even, because uh, I timed it. They went yeah. three and a half minutes, and the rest was credits. Yeah, well, a lot of credits. So I'll, I'll say the, the animation was really good. I'll, oh, yeah, I'll no, it, it looked good. It looked good. Yeah, no, looked really good. James Gunn was involved. They got Vin Diesel to do the voice of Groot. Which, which was fun. which I, I this this is this is something I wanted to bring up. Like, <laughs> why do we pretend that that matters? Why it do doesn't. we pretend that Vin Diesel saying "I am Groot" through something that changes it so much that it no longer sounds like Vin Diesel, and he's still getting a hefty paycheck? Why do we applaud that? He's I want that fucking job. I just want to go. <laughs> I am Groot, and now I'm set in a fucking the MCU franchise. That's what I do. Listen, anyone who knows me knows that my feelings on Vin Diesel, and they're not great. <laughs> so, you're not about yeah. family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, maybe I'm not not totally about family per se, but it's just his acting is, is total trash. But oh, the MCU did a great way to do use him. Like, hey, listen, he's a name. We're coming out with this movie that nobody fucking knows. These people, we're just gonna have right. him use his deep, growly voice for something. And then they obviously modified it and blah blah blah. And I ran with it, and and that was it. And the fact, I, I mean, listen, he sh- he actually showed up to do it. So whatever. Uh, Bradley Cooper though showed up to <laughs> to voice Rocket because Rocket's in one of the episodes. That was cool. And by sh- and by showed up, let's face it, they 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 got up, put their bathrobe on, went to their computer. Vin Diesel didn't even have to. Don't they have him saying I am Groot that they could just run through the Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they yeah, I'm pretty sure they just had to go ahead and modify it. Like technically, you know, whatever. Special effects and shit. So um Did you you know Vin yeah. Diesel's a big D D guy? Is he really? He's a huge D D guy. The Witcher, I think that no, not the Witcher. There's some movie he made about witch hunting was based on a D and D campaign him and his friends played. Oh wow. I didn't know that. And he actually got, because um, he did a movie with Dame Judi Dench. I don't remember which mm-hmm. one, but he did a movie with Jane, Dame Judi Dench. And he got her to sit in and play D&D with him. And so the, I always tell that story because them two together are dream D&D like, team, team for me to play with. I want to play with Vin Diesel and Dame Judi Dench. I, I know Joe Maginello is big into it. Is he really? No, he is. He's like really into it, from what I understand. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe Henry Cavill also. Oh my God, Henry Cavill into D and D. I think so. I know for a fact Joe Maginello is. He, I've seen him talk about it, like, you know, That's on awesome. multiple occasions. So, uh, but no. Regarding I Am Groot, though, it's it's fun. If you want to check it out? It's it, again, and it'll run you about less than twenty five minutes. It's it's cute. It's mainly mainly for kids and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's fine. He does. Uh, he, he, you only... see some Guardians of the Galaxy in the in the, the last episode of it, the fifth episode. Yeah. You get to see Rocket and this Drax is taking a shower and Groot's fucking with his stuff and everything. So, again, not not essential. Yeah. Not like oh my god, I have to watch this. I'm not going to know what happens later on. But 
I think the uh, the only thing I could say to sum this up is, I am Groot. Yeah, that's it. That's what I got. Yeah, he he essentially the one of them he takes pretty much a bath in like the woods and stuff like that, and and he kind of makes himself look like a cheetah pet. Another one, he's got these little ant type people that are looking up to him and stuff like that, and he thinks he hurt them, and he didn't. Uh, the other one, the last episode with Rocket. He's going ahead and he's drawing a picture of him and the Guardians as his family. But it gets really messy and stuff like that. So, eh, whatever. It's it's cute. Not essential. Could have done with or without it. But it's there. <laughs> Essentially a Marvel one-shot. Yeah. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a Marvel one-shot for kids. Yeah. So, check it out if you want. But it's not knocking anyone's socks off. But... Cool animation. Yeah, or or don't check it out and you'll be fine. Like it's or, or don't. Yeah, or don't. Yeah. I mean, you could watch it on the can if you want to. <laughs> and not gonna have a same <laughs> yeah, song there. There you go. If you really, really a heart sell on keeping up with everything MCU. So, all right, we'll go ahead and shift gears to another animated property in Harley Quinn season three, episodes four and five. Um, Jason, we got ourselves another orgy. <laughs> Oh, we got a, uh, we got ourselves an orgy, um, and it was it's it's so crazy because yesterday, uh, so my 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 wife and my son were away for the weekend, so I decided yesterday I'm gonna do something I never get to do is I'm gonna reorganize my physical media, my DVDs, my Blu-rays, and I'm just gonna watch random movies, a random movie I just happened to throw on, having no idea what was about to befall me in Harley Quinn episode four was Eyes Wide Shut. By Stanley Kubrick. And I'm watching now, then flash forward a couple hours later, and I text you because I'm watching it, and they go to the Court of Owls, and I hear like the the literal musical cues from Eyes Wide Shut, like boom. And I look at the computer, I'm like, what the I just watched this movie. It was it was the craziest coincidence. Um, but yes, and then so they're at the Eyes Wide Shut orgy, and it's the Court of Owls. <laughs> Oh. It, was, it was like what it was like the the court of dildos or something like that. Yeah, it the was legion of dildos. The legion of dildos is, is what was there. Bruce Wayne is there with Selena Kyle briefly. It's this this whole episode is fucking. I mean, it, this whole show is brilliant, start to finish. Uh, Jim Gordon's there because Two Face sends him there to try to get campaign money. Which and one of my favorite lines is that he's like forty five people, forty five percent of the people think that you're evil for trying to run against someone who's in a coma. Ah, but the rest, the other fifty five, they agree with us, right? No, thirty five percent don't trust you, and twenty percent say what was the line? I don't get carpool karaoke. What is that? You're just singing along the songs in your car. <laughs> Apparently, they think you're James Corden. Dude, I was cackling at that. <laughs> and then I forgot that the Joker has a stepson. Yeah, I totally forgot <laughs> about that. The, sh- the show didn't. And it's the Joker screaming about Common Core math. <laughs> I fucking love this. Why Captain Common Core? Because in my mind, Captain Common Core is the Joker's new arch nemesis. I think we should see that in a future episode. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> um, and then the Joker asked a question that I wanted to 
I wanted to run by you, Ed. I don't know if you picked this up, but uh, what grown man plays a, on a softball team, Ed? That's what the Joker posits. Yeah, I saw that. What, dude, <laughs> fuck, man. What, what is going on here? What is going on, Joker? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's taking shots left and right. Yeah, I kind of think so, man. I mean, you know, if it wasn't like a freaking animated fucking character on my screen, man. I might have something to say with him. <laughs> but luckily you're sane and you understand that he's just a cartoon. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it could have been someone else who probably did punch the screen. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, what else am I forgetting? I'm loving that the whole thing where Ivy it keeps coming out and telling um, uh, the gang and, and Harley Quinn, like, um, Catwoman said you can't use a Japanese toilet. Catwoman said you can't use the, the instruments. And by the way, I know, I know the beauty of the Japanese toilet. I have in my second bed, my second bathroom, right? That door right oh. there, I have a Japanese toilet. Okay. I, I have not had the pleasure of using one just yet. Yeah, and, and I, like, to be honest, cat, like, Ivy says, Catwoman says, no one can use my Japanese toilet. I get that. No one's allowed to use it except <laughs> my wife. <laughs> um... But yeah, no, I, I love the pains at the orgy. I love everything about this. Oh, and then I thought you'd really appreciate this. Gordon being the blind man at the orgy who had to feel his way out. I, I got very I got Frank Drebin vibes from that that escape from the orgy. <laughs> Listen, man, there's some uh, apparently sometimes you find yourself there and that's the only way out. That's the only way to get out. That is that is. That's it. You just got to feel your way through. Um but yeah, I thought that episode was brilliant. Did I miss anything? Because I just gushed about all my favorite parts. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a it's a really funny episode. Once again, I mean the show's hilarious. It's Tim is actually yeah, catching it's... up on it. He texts us, and he's finally yep. got the insanity that is Harley Quinn. So. We we got to have Tim on to do like a, a a catching up with Mr. T or whatever we would call it for Tim about Harley Quinn. Just since we're talking about it, just to see his overall thoughts since he's catching up. Yeah. I think so. I think we can make that happen. So we'll, 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 add, we'll talk to him. We'll, we'll, he'll, he'll just pop on eventually, like randomly, and we'll just put him on the spot. <laughs> could happen any minute. could happen any minute right now. <laughs> it's true. Literally, it's true. You never know. Uh, did I tell you when he did that to me on Double O Deep Dive? I never did experienced really? it before. He did when we do an Austin Powers. Because uh -huh. I'm always like, I don't care. You know, people can come on. But I, I, I thought he would tell me. He just popped on for Austin Powers. Like, yep. Yeah, uh, I, I I know this movie. I could talk about this. I'm like, all right, we're doing Austin <laughs> Powers, baby. <laughs> um, all right, then we get episode five where we get Swamp Thing. And I, Dude, I hippie, love... hippie, swamp, hippie Swamp Thing is hilarious. <laughs> it's fucking great. It's so funny. Uh, and I love that he was friends with Ivy and he cut her off, not because she was evil and wanted to take over humanity, but because she was a shitty friend. How about Nora? Oh, I, how about Nora Freeze, though? That's, that's what that's the, like the drug. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. She's got the tram stamp. She's like on sorority, but at least like a sorority sister on spring break. It's hysterical. Yeah, she's like catching up on all the stuff she would she that happened while she was frozen. She her line is like, oh, oh we just did a bunch of coke up the butt. It's like what? <laughs> Um, 
I, I love that. So Catwoman throws everyone out of her house because her that the the song that we heard at the top was her and Bruce breaking up pretty much because Bruce mm-hmm. is clingy and she wants to be alone. And I love that she wants to be alone. And her alone time is just to get in her bathtub, sip white wine, and watch YouTube videos. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, um, that's what you Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, we get John Constantine, a uh, friend of the show. Uh, it's the same guy, right? Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan definitely shows up as John Constantine and has uh, Poison Ivy try to outdrink him. Oh, and they all get fucked up, and Nora Freeze. And th- I love this. No, they all get fucked up, except for Nora Freeze, because apparently she's just in that zone. Uh, Nora Freeze gets the address to Swamp Thing, tracks him down, and they wind up having an affair. <laughs> They both say these words to each other. I was inside of you, or I let you inside of me, or something like that. (laughs) They're apparently inside of each other, from what I was gathering in. I'm like, there's so many questions I could ask right now, but I'm just going to roll with it, because it's Harley Quinn. And Nora literally says, yeah, we fucked. It's like, how, how how does Swamp Thing fuck? That's what, these are a lot of the questions that I have immediately, but because it was Harley Quinn, I just went with it. You know what? I wish I wish I had time to set this up because I think I think this would have been the perfect time to call on Swamp Thing expert uh, Ginny from from Deep Dive, and I think she might know how Swamp Thing fucks. She's we're gonna have to all right when we get to Swamp Thing and covering those films. I think we're gonna have to try to remember this question and don't tell her about it. Just just hit her with it out of nowhere. You're right. Yeah, she, she's not watching right now. She'll never know. <laughs> no. But but I I guarantee you she has an answer. Like she won't even think about it. Like she's thought about this before. I guarantee. You. <laughs> um, um. All right. So then Bruce Bruce gets two cats. Yes. One named Martha. One named Thomas. <laughs> of course. Keeps mistaken. I was like, oh, I want to watch over my parents. I mean, my cats. <laughs> yeah, right. Which <laughs> I think is hysterical. Um, and then Alfred drugs Bruce and Selena and forces them into what I call disco ball therapy with the music meister. Is that a real bat- Batman villain? I wouldn't put it past at all. I'm not sure, but I, mean, I, right? I would definitely not put it past them. Like I'm, that could be like a '60s Batman villain, like like when they were getting weird, like paintball man and shit. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so they sing that little duet, uh, and they realize they're breaking up, and that's heartbreaking for Bruce. Um, I love that we get Harley diagnosing Swamp Thing. Yeah, like, so she's like, oh, wait, I, as a as a, profession, as a uh, psychologist, yep. and she breaks it down. I and you know you know that my soft spot, my sweet spot for Harley Quinn is when they they remember that she's an actual bona fide licensed psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> because I think like the, the the writers can forget that sometimes. Like you can go into her more badassness and her physicality and stuff, and but she's also a licensed practitioner of medical health of mental health. She is Doctor Harleen Quinzel, after all. Exactly. They don't. You, you don't just get the word doctor because you got it from a Cracker Jack box, my friend. No, you have to work. Oh, for it. Uh, unless, you, unless you're Dre. Let's not forget about Dre. 
That's true. Well, so I've forgotten about Dre. Of, he's a doctor of mixology, isn't he? Like a beatology? I don't know. Why not? A beatologist just made it up. Bang. There you go. Uh, and then the, the reveal at the end is that because I, I and I forgot to talk about this because it was one of the least interesting parts, but Frank is missing. And we find out that Bruce Wayne has Frank and he's going to be doing experiments on him to find out what Harley, um, what Ivy did to him. And what Ivy did to him was supercharged him to make him literally repopulate Gotham like the Garden of Eden, killing everyone except for that mac that cheese and macaroni shop, macaroni and cheese shop they like. <laughs> oh man, we, when um, we actually yeah. talk about this show out loud, it's just, I'm like, wow, this really show really is fucking. It's yeah, like you you don't even realize that was while you're watching it because you're paying attention, you're following it. But yeah, I'm going through these notes, going, wait, wait, did I write this? What, what that happened? (laughs) Uh, But it's oh, and Sai, Sai from the last season is now uh, Catwoman's AI for her smart house. (laughs) And Sai, I believe, is Jason Alexander. (laughs) Yes, it is Jason Alexander. Yeah. and so Angie doesn't actually watch Harley Quinn, but she seems to listen to it when she's doing other shit in the house while I'm watching it. Uh-huh. She's like, wait a second, is that George Costanza? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I love I love seeing Jason Alexander get back to his Costanza roots. Yeah, I, I love him. I watch Seinfeld still probably more than I, I should, but I still I still watch it quite often. <laughs> George Costanza is in my top 10 f- favorite fictional characters of all time across any medium. Oh, wow. Okay. That's how much I love that character. No, I, I, I adore George Costanza. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and we'll, we'll get to our, uh, you know, the main, the main course of the week, which is Netflix's The Sandman, which is also a DC property. Um Yes, that Netflix happens to have the rights to, so they went ahead and decided to to roll with it. Um, yeah, yeah, we're gonna just talk overall about the season in general because they drop Netflix drops their entire season at once, so to go into and, every single uh, all ten episodes, mm-hmm. we'll be here forever. And I'm gonna say that uh, I think that was a mistake on Netflix's part. I know that's how they do it usually, and I think usually it works. Yeah. I think I would have gotten more out of this show if it was a weekly drop as opposed to binge watching it all at once because it goes so many different places throughout the series yeah. or throughout the season that I found I just because of the way I watched it binge watching I was losing threads whereas yeah. I think and I was interested and I did like the show but I think if it dropped weekly now that we've I've been forced to do this weekly like watch watch of stuff because of this show I kind of was watching it going I think I kind of wish this was more weekly because I think I would have been able to appreciate and digest it each episode more before the next I agree with you though I don't personally like the entire I don't like binge watching I actually don't I don't do it okay I, I do I do yeah no I know a lot of people do I know I am probably very much the minority on this uh, but I don't I mean, Angie likes binge watching. We're watching shows together that were, you know, like this. Or if our my DVR happens to get filled up, and I go ahead and we're like, all right, I have a bunch of shows to catch up on. I watch like two or three, and then I stop. I have to take a break and 
do something or anything or watch just something different and I'll come back to it the next day or something. So well, how I watch this show. Interesting. Yeah, and I don't know why, honestly, because I watch long movies. It's not like that. And I watch sports, which baseball games are like three and a half hours sometimes. And I Oh yeah, that, that takes focus. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna lie, you know, some once in a while I'll pick up my phone, you know, go take a walk to get some you know, eat in the kitchen or something like that. It is what it is, but yeah, I'm watching I'm locked in. So it's not like it's an attention span thing. It's just I don't know, it's I think it's maybe the way TV shows are written versus movies. Like movies, the story is compact and yeah. meant to be digested in the matter of two to three hours. And TV shows are not written like that. They're meant to be each episode. They're digested per episode. So I, I think that's what it is. I don't know. But a lot of people like binging. So I could be way off base on that and be talking out of my ass yeah, right I- now. But- I think I think it's no, but I, I think it's a preference because they, I think like we've been I think shows now and not this one by the way because this is definitely based on an episodic set of comics that have an overall thread but they are definitely episodic like comic drops so yeah. but I like I, I we just watched the show with with the girl from this who played jo- Joanna Constantine Jenna Coleman. Uh, Reg and I watched a show called um, The Serpent on Netflix, and it's okay. an it's a mini series. It's eight episodes or ten episodes, and I think that was perfect to binge watch. But it was created to be binge watched. Like it had the sensibilities of a long form movie. So I think there is something to what you're saying. Like okay. you know, certain shows are not created for that. I think we're getting into certain shows that are now. Uh, so I think that just that determines how you sort of, uh, you know, sort of interact with it. I think how it's the intention of it. Yeah, and I also enjoy the thing that we'll redo here is we'll go ahead and di- digest each episode and break it down and talk about it and wonder what's going to happen next and stuff like that. When you're binging, you, you just press play. You'll find out what happens next. Really, <laughs> right? For, I don't know for sure. And I and. and that's kind of part of why I kind of wish this dropped one at a time because I wish we could have, because there was there's some rich stuff here. I, I'm not going to lie. I liked this a lot. I, I didn't think it was perfect, but I liked it a lot. And there, there are some episodes that I think as episodes, if we were doing week by week, we there's some rich stuff that we could dive into, but because we're doing it like this, we're probably not even going to touch on it more than a sentence, if that. And and so that's why I, I think it's I kind of do wish that this was one one at a time because there's a lot here. There's a lot of good stuff in these episodes. Yeah, and I I, I also enjoyed it. I enjoyed the series. It's it's not my favorite favorite series and that we've covered and stuff, but I really do genuinely like it. I didn't know. I didn't read the Sandman. And I didn't know what to expect coming into this, to be completely honest with you. Like, I saw posters for it. I've seen the graphic novel, the graphic novels, like, in comic stores before. And I knew the Sandman was a DC property, but I had no idea what the hell it was about. And now jumping into it, it is something very different. It's not your traditional comic book thing at all. Um, and when I saw the writer, the writer of it had said that, hey, you know, we started off in a DC world. And then all of a sudden, as we wrote the comic, it branched off into its own universe and kind of just forgot about that. And that's fine. So I guess it works here. Um, but it's very mystical and magical and, and things of that nature. There's no real like costume superheroes and stuff like that showing up. And um, 
yeah, I, I think there's, I don't know, you're right. There's a lot we could probably have jumped into each episode and broke down and theorized about. But I think one of the most interesting episodes, let's just cherry pick highlights of what yeah, things we sure. want to bring up. And episode five, the one that's set in the diner. Oh, yeah. Right? So I had, I was talking to Angie about this. And when I started the episode in the first, like, 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, this is kind of slow. Where the fuck is this going? And then all of a sudden, the shit hit the fan big time. It's wild. In that diner. It has got so crazy. And it's funny that you bring that up because that was the exact episode I was thinking when I said – we would talk, we would like deep dive if we were doing this episodically into ep- into episodes that we probably wouldn't get a chance to talk about much in the overall because that is an episode I think that it's a brilliant episode but it, once you look at the overall arc of the story doesn't isn't really that important no it's not but I, also also I think we <clears throat> let's give it some some shine here then because let's it is it. a really brilliant episode because they pretty much in that episode. Uh, the character John uh, has the has uh, let's see which one Morpheus, the Sandman, Dream, Dream. aka slash 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 his Ruby. Because in the beginning of the show, he is kidnapped, right, right, uh, wrongfully imprisoned for you know hundred years on Earth, and his tools because they're trying to get death. Things. Yeah, they want death, but they get him. You know, they get Morpheus, whatever. We'll use mainly by Morpheus. I just feel like when I say that, I'm thinking of yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I was referring to his dream. That's a, but All yeah, right, fine, but whatever. We'll call, call him Morpheus. Dream. Yeah. All right, whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he pretty much is kidnapped, and his tools are stolen. And he's in the first half of the season, he's kind of tracking down his tools, and then later on, it's more about what the repercussions of his absence were. Right, like, and then that's a fair, broad yeah. way to explain that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the tools are a ruby, which causes dreams to come true. Uh, a sick, sick-looking like plague doctor's mask, which I look high school me would have been all about that. High school me would would, would be dressing like this. <laughs> um, and then his sand, his bag of sand, which allows him to move around. Right to yeah. to go between worlds so um the the ruby was taken by a thief no everything was taken by thieves the ruby was given to a um the the thief's son the the sick mask was sold to a demon in hell and he gets the sand right away i forget how i forget what happens what happens to the sand but that's the first one he gets yeah the sand is he he gets the sand from uh joanna constantine no Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, how could I forget that? Heartbreaking, because she gives it to uh, someone that she knows to hold on to, and the woman gets lost in her dream and just sort of becomes like Sloth from Seven. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's a pretty good (laughs) description of that. Um, (laughs) So then, yeah, so he's tracking down the Ruby Parkers. Secondly, I want to let's talk. We'll talk about Joanna Constantine after this because I thought that was a really interesting uh, character. But the episode five, though, so the the guy's son, I mean the 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 thief's son, she gives the ruby to her son John, and John is going ahead and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to make everyone tell the truth. They're going to go ahead. I'm going to eliminate lies in this world, and this is what we're going with." 
And in this diner, there's a couple that's there that's celebrating their anniversary. And they start going ahead and, and telling the truth about what it is. She's like, you know, kind of like doesn't want him to eat healthier. He really wants this like triple cheeseburger thingamajig that's there. Uh, and so they have desires that they both want. There's a waitress there who's putting on this front of smiling and stuff like that and wanting to genuinely be happy to everyone. She has desires with the cook that's there. But then we find out that the cook apparently is having a whole relationship with her son who is 20 years old, not like yes. When, they, when he started they talking, do make I a thought point. it was a pedophile thing, right? I did too. Again, she says, he's a kid. And he goes, he's 21. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, because I was, all, I was cool. watching it and I'm like, Ugh. Not cool that you are going over this woman's house under the pretense of being with her just to go fuck her son. Not cool because of the lies. Cool. I'm actually a bit more mad at the son for fucking his mom's boyfriend. There are plenty of other other people's boyfriends that aren't your mom's to fuck. I, you know, whatever. Um, but much better than than uh, pedophilia. And which we do get some crazy pedophilia kid killing at the end of this. So uh, we yes. know they could have gone there. <laughs> Oh no! This show doesn't. I mean, it doesn't pull any punches regarding that. They don't go like yeah. boys' level insanity, but they definitely. This is definitely not a show for kids whatsoever. Uh, definitely a yeah. mature themed show, and um, yeah. Then there's a woman that's there. There's a guy that is interviewing at a job that's called Vanguard, and he the the couple that's there. They are the ones who are in charge of Vanguard. So the wife has a relationship with the guy who's interviewing. They're pretty much fucking in the diner and then the the guy that's there he goes ahead and apparently he's not faithful to his wife he goes ahead and goes to the back where the cook sucks his dick it gets really crazy it turns into another orgy yeah we keep getting orgies on this comic book right? <laughs> so i'm gonna blame the boys because hero gasm seems like it started this avalanche of comic book orgies that we've uh. had Although I it, yes, it, well, on this show for sure, Herogasm set off the avalanche of orgies that Granny's Beach Tea has been uh, fielding. Yes, Sandman's got an orgy. Harley Quinn just had an orgy with the Court of Owls. Shit, fucking Zeus mentions that Thor is not invited to the orgy on Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, that, and Thor Love and Thunder. That's right. They are having god orgies. It's everywhere, man. Shit is everywhere right now. Uh, <laughs> but that's pretty much what the diner turns into, and it, it's kind of crazy that he did. Yeah, he kind of just takes the bell off of everyone who is just kind of trying to, like, maybe not give in. They're just giving into their desires of what it is apparently they really want. And he's sitting there eating a tub of ice cream while this is all going on. Yeah, that was. I, I and so what happens to him? Because that's what I lost track of. Because. I really thought that episode was cool. And then again, I was binge watching and I, I got my son doing these other things. Mm -hmm. How does he, how does dream get the Ruby back? Cause I don't remember what happens to the old man who wreaks all that havoc. And, and that's that I, I would say that's probably top three episodes of, of the 10 we watched. I have three favorites. That's yes. in my top three. Oh, for sure. No, that's definitely in there. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, dream just kind of takes the Ruby back from I mean, He loses all his power. That's that he has right there, and I think it was a copy that he was using that wasn't really necessarily what it wasn't his ruby that he was using per se, but he was using a copy of it, 
and that's what he was uh, using okay. to, to to break down the walls of like people lying and stuff. But then he kind okay. of just like dismissed, and he's done. Because that's the thing; he just does disappear, and I and I think he gets sanded. What? That's <laughs> like in wrestling. Yes. Arrogance. Oh my god! <laughs> Dream has put sand in the ruby guy's eyes. Oh god! King that son of a son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's kind of what happens, honestly. Because, I, and I think that's that's a that's a detriment of getting it in bulk instead of in weekly things. Because that guy has such powerful, so many powerful scenes, and then he's just gone. And because it all drops at once, and you're binge watching it, it kind of yeah. just feels disjointed. Where it probably wouldn't have if you did it over the course of time. Yeah, because that guy has that great scene with the woman who hits him and picks him up as a hitchhiker, and like wants her to take him to the get the ruby, and like she sees someone murdered in front of her, and then he winds up giving her the protection. Like such an awesome scene, but in the overall of everything, it doesn't really mean much. Yeah, no, and I agree with you because yeah, once he gets his tools back, the entire focus has shifted elsewhere. So right. I think that I think him his whole getting the tools back could have been its entire own season. That's I agree. I yeah. yeah, and then you could have made um, the character's name. Uh, sorry, I have it right over here. Uh, Which one? The librarian or the vortex? No, the vortex. Um, or I was going to use her actual name right here. Damn it! What the hell is it? I have the cast pulled up right here. I don't know. Put it this way: the dream vortex that's there. That could have been the entire second season. You could have given more, I agree. more time with all of this. Um, I agree. And they, they could have fleshed out, if they did that, they could have fleshed out the character of the Corinthian more, which I thought was yes. interesting, but only kind of appears here and there and doesn't really do much up until the very end. Well, yeah, we could also talk about Boyd Holbrook, who we saw in uh, Logan. So not mm -hmm. his first uh, time in comic book uh comic book media he is the corinthian is intense kind of terrifying oh, yeah. and he's great and he's, he's great. awesome in this he is absolutely awesome. but you're right though he just doesn't and, really get a lot to do until the end right and that's the thing is he's got this awesome menacing presence and i think it's cool like at first where he's just helping like oh take my coat oh why do you want to give me your coat i want you to get where you're going i thought that was cool but he does that and then all of a sudden, at the end, he's like a major player, and I just, I, I, I think I needed that tr that transition to build a bit more. You know, I wanted him to do more as the the show went on. How awesome was that reveal when he finally takes off his glasses and he's got teeth in his eyes? He's eating the eyeballs. Oh my wow. god! Yeah, that was that was something. That was really, really <laughs> something. And he ends up going. He gets a group of followers like this cult essentially that that goes yeah they have all a the serial killers serial uh serial con essentially that is at a convention that's at a hotel and it's fucking serial killers all over the place and he's the keynote speaker at this thing yes yes because they they killed the way he does by taking eyes and yeah. got an audience with him and i th i actually thought he was gonna like and I'm glad he didn't do this, but I thought he was going to wind up killing them all. But I'm glad that he kind of just leaned into it while also protecting the Vortex and her brother. 
Oh, because I mean, yeah, yes, he knows he what needs he wanted them for. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I love that, like, there is... I don't know, like, there just seems to be layers to this very evil character. And there are different evil layers, but there are layers. And I would have loved to have seen that expanded. And I thought the, the actor did a fantastic job. Yeah, no, uh, Lloyd Holbrook is, is he's always excellent in anything I've ever seen him in. So, um, and I guess we could also talk about, uh, well, I guess a character that kind of, two characters that kind of got subdued due to this is one of them was Desire, who we rarely ever see, mm -hmm. but seems to be has yeah. a presence on the screen and is the one kind of driving a lot of this whole thing, but is barely seen. I agree, man. I, I remember we see Desire a little in the beginning and then they play a huge part at the end because we find out that Desire's the reason... The Desire set this all up mm -hmm. to get Dream to kill the Vortex because they're related. Like, there's some something yeah. there. So Desire's trying to fuck Dream over. And they're, and they're all siblings, by the way. Desire, Death, Dream... There are others. Those are the three um, I can remember. No, it's uh, all Death... Dream, uh, desire, and despair. And despair. Okay, I, I wasn't yeah. sure if there was a despair. Um, so, you know, it's it's internal family monarchy business. But like, I I kind of wish we just saw more of desire because the twist is is that they're the ones who are driving this whole plan. So, and and maybe it's done differently in the comic, and maybe it would have hit different again if I watched this week weekly instead of by bulk but i agree like great presence but needed more yeah maybe in a season two we'll we'll get more because that's obviously that we find out at the end of the last episode desire you know we'll have another plan and stuff like that and we'll try to take dream down and uh also another character that i felt well man the more i'm thinking about it, there's a lot of characters that but joanna constantine i thought was awesome constantine or constant they say her constantine. name Constantine, they say it very yeah. strange. Dream keeps saying Joanna Constantine. Constantine. He's got that very Victorian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. She's awesome. I love. She's fantastic, and I I know that actress she, that she's um uh, was a, a character in Doctor Who. She was um Peter Capaldi's um companion, and I loved mm -hmm. her there. She was in this uh that that show I said the Serpent. Or if you want to see her as like an evil sociopath. Watch the serpent. She's really good in that. And then seeing her in this, and A, I didn't realize Constant Constantine was related to this. I always thought Constantine was a swamp thing uh, proper, like a swamp thing property, which it is, but apparently it also comes from this. Uh yeah, I mean I know uh, I believe I'm pretty I believe in the comic book it is John Constantine that is involved in this, but yeah, yeah, it's not Joanna. Like it's our, our yeah. Constantine Prime. Yeah, yeah. Rods, uh, rights wise, they can't they can't use John Constantine. So maybe that's right. also why they were saying her her name a little bit strange. But oh yeah, right, Constantine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe but I, I think she works. No, she works she great, works and me. I do love the. We get a brief origin story with her and Astra, and we are we're mm -hmm. very familiar with that because we've covered a lot of Constantine on this show. Uh, we did. We did. Good. God bless uh, the legends, man. I miss that show already. Yeah, many iterations of, of, of Constantine. So, yeah, but I, I think it works. I like the fact that she has kind of like the jacket, but, you know, different, like a, a lady version of the jacket. She's yeah. kind of like a woman a womanizer like John Constantine is. 
Uh, yep. No, no smoking because we already know how that goes. So they didn't even bother trying to fuck with that. So that was fine. And why? No, there's no reason to. Um, and she yeah. kind of has like she said bollocks a couple of times, which I thought was yep. I thought it was funny. <clears throat> and I want to admit, I, I you know, and I hear that they might be doing a spinoff show with that character, with her yes. as that character, and I'm all for it. I'm I'm I'll watch that even if you don't make me on the show. Um, I've seen lots of people bitching that Matt Ryan d- doesn't play the character. And e- let me ask you this question. E- it, rights aside, would you rather have had this performance of Joanna Constant- Constantine or would you rather a Matt Ryan trying to play a John Constantine that fits the tone of this show? Because he would have to be different. His regular Constantine wouldn't fit the tone of this show, I don't think. So what would you have rather have seen given like uh not worrying about rights or anything? Oh man, that's a tough question. Um damn, I don't know cuz I really love Matt Ryan's Constantine. I think he would have had to be more like the Constantine that was on the NBC show. Like his, yeah. his original Re- run as Constantine, he would have to be more like that cuz that would fit more in line with this. The Legends Constantine no. That that wouldn't work. Nope, that wouldn't have worked at all. Um, and he, I, I like the fact that he loves the character so much and keeps coming back to do animated versions for them. Like he's the Me animated too. Constantine um, in Harley Quinn and in uh, Justice League Apocalypse and uh, Justice League Dark and all of that. So, damn, that's tough. He um, owns that character. I, he does, and that's why I think it's. I would have been curious to see what he would have done with this, but she crushes. She crushes the role. Yeah. As this, and I kind of don't agree. mind the fact that we see we see a little bit of a, a changing up of of the character. Yeah, I agree. I, lo- I love uh, Matt Ryan. I love what he does with the character. I think he could have done a, a great John Constantine that fits in this. I am kind of glad we got something different. Uh, I and I and I think that because of how this is DC, but it's not. Yeah. I think this is the place to give us weird experimental difference and. Yeah, and again, I love Jenna Coleman. I think she's such a top notch, top notch actress. I I've never known much I mean, of her honestly, and then she just like crushed it. Yeah, she just comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk about like the one character that I actually? Because I, I lied when I said that I never read any Sandman. I forgot. Okay. I actually did read, not any Sandman, but I did read Neil Gaiman, who did um, a side graphic novel, a one shot about death so i was actually very familiar with the character of death and it's the only character outside of john constantine that i was familiar with um and so i want to talk about death and that episode because that's my favorite episode when he goes that was really good i mean that's just such and the actress they got to play death is so good when she gives that speech about how i just realized that i just need to be a friendly face you know what I'm saying? Like her whole, and she gives her philosophy, and that, that's in the comic because I I did read parts of that her appearance in that comic, um, and I think they did such a great job casting her. I think she's fantastic. The only complaint I have about her as Death is in the comic. Death has uh, a top hat, okay, because it was the '90s, right? So emo, steampunk, that was all a thing, and so she has this very '90s. She's like a '90s goth girl with a top hat, uh, and they didn't have the top hat, but. I fucking knew exactly who that was as soon as we, I saw the Ankh, 
because that's a big symbol of the comic book. She has that ankh, and I was like, oh my god, I'm getting my death episode. Um, and I really feel that how they handled that character would have made or break, made or broken my opinion of this show. But I loved mm-hmm. how they handled her so well, and that that conversation between them, where they're just siblings. And she's talking to her sibling who has been enslaved for a thousand years and who's trying to get his shit together. And I I just really dug that. I thought, I think that was the best episode of the, this, this whole season. Yeah. I thought it was fascinating the way that they handled death and would show up and like, you know, kindly, like you said, be a kind face to the person that's dying. And then they would see their body go. And then like the guy who drowns, He's like, no, I gotta, I gotta do this for my wife. I gotta do all of this. And she's like, your time's up. I'm, I'm really sorry. And then we see yeah. in the background they're pulling him out of the water and he drowned. That was a pretty sad episode. It, it, it really it was. That, that was one of the best episodes I think of this this season. Um, and also, you you get all that sadness and you get all like death is sad, but the fact that death is not scary. Death is just this very sweet looking pretty girl who. Is just like, hey, I, I'm here for you. No, I'm sorry, your time's up. I I can't reverse anything, but yeah. let me bring it. Let me bring it to a better place. I, I, there's just something comforting about that to me, and that's why yeah. I love the cat. And she's exactly like that in the comic. Nice, nice. Um, another character I think was uh, Gwendolyn Christine, who plays Lucifer in this. Oh series. yeah, that fight that they had a dream and her have is awesome and so different than anything else that I have seen where they're kind of morphing into whatever the hell that they named. That was cool. And I love her appearance of she still looks like the angel, but with the fucking wings that are there, like she's still in the white dress and the curly yellow, I'm sorry, blonde hair and everything like that. So still appears like an angel, but obviously is fucking Lucifer. That's here. And they also prop, they talk about her, as they're going to her, like she was the smartest, the kindest, and all this other stuff. But then obviously it's, it's Lucifer. Yeah. Um, and at the I, end I of the, love... the end of the last episode, we get obviously Hell is planning to take fucking Dream down moving forward. So excited. Yeah, I I loved all that Lucifer stuff. I loved that actress they got to play him. Uh I that by the way, that fight. There's n- I have never seen a more accurate representation of a D&D fight like in, 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 in anything. It's like, I'm going to cast Dire Wolf. Yeah, well, I'm going to use my bow of the hunter. Yeah, well, I'm going to become a snake. It was such a D&D match. It was fantastic. Um, but I, I love that, and I loved how they just have to keep one-upping each other. Uh, I love the moment where Dream goes, well, thank you for, you know, shooting fair with me, Lucifer. And Lucifer's like, you fucking idiot, I'm going to kill you. Like, <laughs> that, that's the whole thing is she's trying to manipulate him into that fight, thinking she's going to win. And then he wins and he's like, all right, I'm going to leave now. And she's like, no, you're not. I've I've called the legions of hell out there for a reason. <laughs> and then he gets out. But I, I loved her in this. I thought she was fantastic. I'm hoping to see more of her. And we will see more of her in season two. So did you catch uh, Mark Hamill as uh, Mervyn no. Pumpkin? Yeah, Mervyn uh, Pumpkin. That was Mark Hamill? That was Mark <laughs> Hamill. Catch him. Yeah, they get, we get see, that. Uh, Patton Oswalt is the uh, Raven. I have I do have to say that Patton Oswalt's the one thing I, I wasn't crazy about. Uh, okay. The one choice I wasn't crazy about. I, I like Patton Oswalt normally. 
I actually I like him in cartoons when he does. Like I I saw Ratatouille for the first time recently with my son. He's in that. I like him. I I I'm in, I'm excited to see him do uh, Pip, uh, because they're also modulating his voice. But like for this, it's just Patton Oswalt's voice coming out of a raven. And that kind of every time he talked, it pulled me out of it because it's like, hey guys, it's me, Batten Oswald. It's like I, I imagine like Gilbert Godfrey just doing that. <laughs> oh, we're going to hell, dream. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like it just pulled me out of it. I wish I either they modulated or he did something with his voice because that was a cool character. I mean, he he literally plays a a, a the person who is reborn into a raven to watch over dream and we watched like dreams pet raven get killed in the first episode and so he's yeah. really like keeping him at a distance it's a cool relationship i i like everything about it it's just pat Oswald's voice coming out of that bird just pulls me out of the whole reality yeah i i, I don't know I, I was mixed bag with that i agree I, I it does it does pull you out a little bit i think i just kind of get used to it after a while i'm just rolled with it mm -hmm. eventually um, Cain and Abel, I thought that whole thing early on was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. That was fun. Um, I was actually pretty they sad keep... when they had to kill the gargoyle, though. When Dream had to take the gargoyle yeah. away from them. I, I thought that was sad. I did, too. I did, too. Um, there, there are some really, like, interesting emotional beats in this show that you wouldn't expect. No, not at all. That was not one. If you would have told me, hey, you're going to be sad about a gargoyle getting, you know, Evaporated essentially, I would have been like, right. uh, yeah, who gives a shit? But and no, the they, they chooses it, it, right? Like, yeah, like that. That's what makes it beautiful is like Dream comes and they're like, no, you can't do it. And he's like, I didn't come to ask you, I came to ask him. And it's like the fact that I'm not here to force him to die, I'm here to lay things out and give him the choice. And he chooses the best route, which happens to end in his death. That's why that's why that's a touching scene because the gargoyle makes the choice. Yeah. And I want to shout out, by the way, that Rogers, Roderick Meredith or whatever the hell his name is in the beginning, that is the one who captures Dream. Charles Dance is the actor's name. Mm. Who, I mean, we talked about last action here recently, so come on. He's Benedict. Oh, great movie. The Glass Eye. That's right. I, I, always, I always love seeing him. Love seeing him. Oh, God. He's a, I love I'm. I love that movie so much. Last Action Hero. <laughs> so do I. And and he's also Tywin Lannister. For those who've seen Game of Thrones, he is, he plays a big part in Game of Thrones as the father, of the, you know, the top Lannister for most of it. So, yeah, I I genuinely enjoyed the show though. I would I would definitely recommend. I would highly recommend seeing the Sandman. Um, it's good. Looking forward to a season two because they obviously set one up. Um, visually, it's really good. You know, the performances are really good. But, yeah, I think the – we just kind of felt that there were certain things that were – I think we – yeah, we fully agree on this, that there's certain things that you could yeah. have been explored more. But, yeah. unfortunately, they didn't. Yeah, I think, yeah, there are certain things that could have been explored more. Uh, I think it would have made a difference – again, I keep belaboring it, but I really do think it would have made a difference if it was episodic instead of dropped all at once. Uh, and – and yeah, I would say see this. E even though there there are a couple small nitpicks I had, like no top hat for death and Pat Oswald just being Pat Oswald, none of that matters. Like this is such, uh, it's such a unique show. It's such a well written show. It's it's a fascinating show. Uh, it's like nothing we've covered on here before. This is like nothing to do with super. It's all fantasy. 
it's like it's Neil Gaiman, and I don't know if anyone will never cover this because it was based on a novel, not uh, not a comic book. But Neil Gaiman wrote uh, the book that Good Omens was based on, which if anyone has seen that, which is pretty much about the angel, uh, a devil and an angel living on Earth from day one in the Garden of Eden, and pretty much growing on Earth and becoming friends and then having to subvert the apocalypse. Neil Gaiman writes a lot of fantastical stuff like this, which have been made into very interesting things. So I would say if anyone has seen Good Omens and has, and it liked it, and you're curious if you're going to like this, you will watch it. And if you watch this and you want to explore more, I would say go see Good Omens on Hulu because uh, Neil Gaiman's work is all very, very interesting. Nice. All right, you got anything else on Sandman before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, ex except for I really do now want the uh, the version where I get Gilbert Gottfried as one of those ravens. <laughs> dream! I'm gonna let you out, dream. <laughs> oh, that but great. that's it. <laughs> All right. So thanks for joining us this afternoon, or wherever you caught up to us. You always appreciate it. Uh, if you like what you heard, joining us on Facebook, join the Granny's PhD. Facebook group and join in on the conversation daily, drop comments and stuff and stories that don't make the show that we talk about on a daily basis, trailers and whatnot. Uh, join us on YouTube, hit subscribe, subscribe to Pop Culture Pros. If you're following us on catching us on Twitter, hit Pop Culture Pros and you know, give us a follow there. And wherever you found your podcast, Pop Culture Pros as well. Um, and we'll be back next week where we will be getting really hulky moving forward. I know we said last week we we're going to do the Hulk, but honestly, I admit I completely forgot the Sandman was dropping this week. So we talked about it. And we we're like, you know, something we really want to do this. So yeah. I'm so happy we did make that decision, though. We got plenty of time to get to Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Look, this is new Hulk. We, we got plenty of time to get to Hulk. And I'm really glad because I would have watched this eventually. I'm mm -hmm. glad I had to watch this quickly because I really did enjoy it. So I'm phenomenal call yeah no, it was i'm glad we did uh but yeah so we'll be back next week we'll be talking about their season premiere of she hulk attorney at law and we might as well get to get to it we'll talk about the incredible hulk another mcu film that jason i know is really excited to cover i actually am really excited to hear jason's thoughts after he rewatches it again i I am excited to cover it because I do want to rewatch it because it's I don't I don't hate these movies. I don't hate any of these movies. I don't think they're all good. I just like them all, right? This is one that I don't know if I think it's good. And, I, and the last time I watched it, I, I and this was years ago, I, I was kind of un, felt unfavorably. It's always like hovering in my my bottom five. And I'm hoping to get a different perspective on this rewatch because I always want to like these things more. Of course. So we'll talk about The Incredible Hulk. We'll be talking about these uh, episode one of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And we'll be talking about the uh, episode six of Harley Quinn. So come join us next week. Uh, Jason, what do you got going on on Deep Dive this week? So Deep Dive, oh, we got Goldfinger. <laughs> this is the episode I've been waiting to do. This is this is the episode uh, we're doing Goldfinger. It is my favorite James Bond movie. I'm not even going to pretend that that's not true. Uh, it's just such such a, a great movie. And I'm excited to rewatch it. I'm excited to talk about it with Ginny. 
Uh, I'm excited to get into it, talk, do my, my terrible Goldfinger impression. Because I've been looking at a Goldfinger impression, Mr. Bond, since I was a young <laughs> child. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so join us on Monday, 8.30, when we go into Goldfinger. <laughs> so yeah, so if you're into Bond, check out Double O Deep Dive with Jason and Ginny on Monday. If you're into baseball... Check out, uh, if your Yankees are your team, you go check out the Empire 161 show. We're seeing if we're going to be doing our new episode tomorrow or if we're going to have to skip a week. So we'll post about that. If you're into the Mets, you can check out the Put It in the Book show with Farachi and Keith and Rodriguez as they cover the New York Mets. Uh, Wrestling's your jam. Check out Tim and Eric on the Just Too Sweet show on Tuesdays. Uh, check out the A to Z show. I know they just put out, Tim and Eric put out A to Z show last night. So you can check out the latest episode there. Uh, Disney, Tim was... On Skyline Reviews this week. So I know they were talking about Star Wars at Disney. So you can check out Ashley and Tim on Skyline Reviews. And uh, check out Don on uh, Am I on the Air, who has joined us on, on this show. And I'm sure he'll be back at some point to go ahead and chat with us. So check out the stuff. So we'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>